0: hi welcome to boys do cry mental health conversations where we have honest conversations about mental health
1: each week we talk about how we're feeling how we're truly feeling and try and make sense of what goes on in our minds
0: no we are not mental health professionals and if you are struggling please reach out for help
1: the stories you hear should not be a substitute for professional help. They're here to supplement your journey.
0: My name is Ram Reyes.
1: And I'm Paulina Rodriguez-Rees. Thanks for joining us.
0: For season three's first guested episode, we talked to Gar. Gar created and currently leads the Subtle Asian Mental Health Facebook group, which has over 12,000 members. You talked to him about what led to him creating the group as well as his own personal struggles with mental health, growing up as a Filipino American. Gar shares the cultural barriers that hinder mental health discussions and ability to seek resources within Asian-American families. It's a great episode, and thanks for listening. Yeah, welcome to the first guested episode of season three. Um, there might be some difference, something different in the beginning. I don't know. I don't even know if this is going to be in the final cut, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it will be. But today, for our first guests, we have... Gar, do you want to introduce yourself, Gar?
2: A little
1: I, bit of what you do. Yeah,
0: <clears throat> I'm Gar,
2: and I am. Wait, <laughs> introduce myself on what I do in the group or
3: just Gar, yeah, in general. Well, so just no. in
1: general. Gar Who are a, you, Gar? Who are Gar you?
0: Runs a mental health support group called Asian or subtle Asian trade or subtle Asian <laughs> mental health support group. We're trying to distance ourselves from the name, but anyways, yeah. I I'm Gar. Uh,
2: I'm a Filipino american creative i do a lot of creative stuff like so and take pictures learning design and i'm also in the coffee industry for fun
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh but yeah uh, i basically focus on the group stuff right now and it's basically taken over my life for the past month mm-hmm. which is nice and also very
0: yeah uh, tiring what, what tell us a little bit about like why did you start or how did it come into <laughs> fruition this group because <laughs> so, yeah. i'm part of it too
2: and you know so essentially what happened was I was on Facebook one day and my friend Alex Newen, who is from San Jose, also another creative,
3: mm-hmm. randomly
2: hit me up on Facebook. I was like, hey, I made this Facebook group because of all those subtle Asian groups that are happening. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't mm-hmm. know anything about this, but okay. So he invites me into it and essentially it was made in the offshoot because subtle Asian dating, which is one of the newer subtle Asian groups, mm-hmm. it was taken down for not following uh facebook community guidelines or whatever mm-hmm. so i got added on and it was essentially to take over what was taken down mm-hmm. and it essentially became that plus it literally said subtle asian dating plus mental health support oh my god that's that's what, <laughs> that's, what that's what the group was and um that's a
0: little bit that conflates a little too much i'm like uh what is this it
2: was a really long name and. Before it had started, I um, was just looking into it. It was pretty dead and it was just trying to like people jokingly coping with sad being taken down, some mm-hmm. Asian dating. So mm-hmm. it was essentially a lot of like shit posting and nothing really relevant to mental health. <laughs> yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And my friend was like, hey, do you want to be an admin? And I was just like, yeah, sure, I'll be an admin. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but if you want me to be an admin, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, a few days later, I started to have a manic episode. (laughs) And eventually I was like, hey, I'm going to do some stuff to the group. And that's how the group became what it is today, because I essentially overhauled the rules, overhauled posting we talked about creating a confessional thing for people to confess anonymously on their mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And one thing we realized we wanted to address was the topic of mental health in Asian communities because that's not something that's commonly addressed. It's always swept under the rug.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So, yeah, the group became what it is today because of that initial manic episode.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of – well, there is over – How many members on 9,000?
2: So, when the group first started, which was the original group started November 28th, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um, I started overhauling it when I joined around December 5th. And this was 2018, right?
1: 2018.
2: Mm -hmm. So, from the moment I had overhauled it with Alex and we had worked together to create what it is today, it went from, I think, a thousand members and shot up all the way to 9,000 within the past like month which is really cool. Yeah, Did that th-
1: surprise you at all? Or?
2: Yeah, because we would wake up every day and be like, oh, we're at 1,000 now. And then <laughs> next thing you know, 2,000, 3,000. And then so it was a bump from 1,000 to 2,500. Mm-hmm. Slowed down for a bit. Somebody had posted our Facebook group on Subtle Asian Traits, which is not a good community. <laughs> which, but it was great. It was a free...
0: uh Yeah, free boost.
2: Free boost. So we went from, I think, 2,500 to... 4000 in the span of two days and after that someone posted our group again so we went from 4000 all the way to
0: 800 in like i think 14 hours i remember when you like uh when you told me about it i was like oh this is cool i joined and then i i did add some people that i that were asian into the group and i was like oh this would be this would be dope if they were in it
1: so how did you guys find each other or
0: oh we met uh, Adrian. through Adrian. Shout out Adrian? to Adrian, another uh, San Jose creative. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I met him at the journalism conference. Oh
1: shit! And
0: then I, met, I actually met Gar for the first time when I went to visit Adrian's like art thing at a coffee house. Was it?
2: Uh, oh no oh, no no! It was uh, our heaven. Shout out to Angela Wu for throwing that by the way.
0: Yeah, our heaven. I was there. I drove down to San Jose because mm. I wanted to support Adrian. And I met you there. Yeah. That yeah, was cool. Yeah, He's I remember great. that. And it that's is, the first time I met him. It was essentially a creative
2: show for Asians, mm-hmm. made by mm-hmm. Asians. So yeah. it was a really good community showing.
0: Yeah, it was dope. I liked it. And uh yeah, that's when we met, and then we just added each other on Instagram and the rest is history. Yeah. And <laughs> are really here. Much. Now, we're, now here. we're here. Yeah, because I just knew them because Adrian like had them in their photos a lot. And mm-hmm. I was like, and through his photos, I kind of felt like I knew them. I'm like, oh, th- this is the group. I I know each one of them because like mm. they're always in each other's photos. And I'm like, oh, this is dope. Mm. And we, I just followed them and followed me back. Yeah. So,
1: do you think like the the amount of followers that you guys gained was like there was a real need for that support group?
0: So,
2: because we had talked to like myself and the other admins, we'd talked about it like. I think we're onto something essentially mm-hmm. because the group itself, we did it out of boredom. Not mm-hmm. like, oh, let's do something really fun and dumb. But we did want to address Asian mental health. Mm-hmm. We didn't expect it to blow up that fast. But yeah. I do think that this is a needed group. And a lot of people have reached out to us, especially like licensed professionals and like psychology oh, yeah. or therapy have reached out and we're like, wow, I didn't see how bad it was for asian americans or international asians in australia everywhere mm-hmm. to be facing mental health like this like we didn't realize it was that stigmatized we've had people anonymously post in our feedback forms saying like the facebook group saved their lives and helped mm-hmm.
0: them uh, attempt to get help which was really mm-hmm. eye-opening
3: mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah that's crazy because <clears throat> so or asian mental health isn't talked about that much but what did you learn from like just reading all the posts like what have you learned since the group started
2: you
3: know
0: uh let's see i've learned
2: a lot actually um i thought it was just filipino culture in general where we were taught to just be quiet about mental health and seeking mental health as an alternative source for like all the trauma that we face Mm -hmm. and like getting help for it is usually like brushed under the rug and just ignored because we live in a society i hate saying that a, we, live, we, live <laughs> we live in a society we live okay we live in a culture where filipino culture where you're taught to be tough and you can't show any displays of weakness because it would damage your reputation and it'd be shameful in your family oh my god relatives I re- knew
0: i remember when like i don't i don't want to say when i came out with my depression but when I first like told my my parents about that, that I got diagnosed with depression mm-hmm. first before I got diagnosed bipolar, but I got diagnosed with depression because I started going to therapy and then my mom started crying like right in front of me and then like hugged me and I was like, what the, this is weird. Like, it's not your, well, it's kind of your fault. It's <laughs> <laughs> not, it, it's your fault, but you know, we're past that. And then actually my dad wasn't very supportive of it. Like I remember when I had, I like, broke down in front of them. My dad was like, how are you going to get a job now? You know, people, they don't hire people who's depressed. So I'm like, what the fuck? Like, Yeah, it's,
2: it's a big issue, especially with males in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we're taught to be tough and we're taught to be yeah. like the father of your patriarchy. Yo, yeah. Um, but yeah, I also was in
0: a similar boat when I came out yeah, as we- being sad. <laughs> 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 yeah, because it felt like I couldn't tell them, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't want to conflate that with that uh issue but it's hard to even say to your to your peer or to your parents or to anyone who's like your family to be like yeah i'm like i'm struggling with my mental health
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah it's not met with support it's usually met with like oh what would your lola think what would your yeah. cousins think or
0: like you're so you live a very you live privileged. a good life a good yeah. life you know people in africa have a better or like worse than you i don't mind what, yeah. What just, do you have to be sad about? Yeah, you know? that's what made very validating call. It made me guilty about like feel my own feelings of mm-hmm. just like, well, yeah, I shouldn't feel this way, but you know, I, I can't help it. And yeah, I, I don't know how else to cope with it. You know.
1: So, what was your experience like with mental yeah. health? Because you said that you weren't really met with support.
2: Oh man, from my, your family? Yeah. No, my life is just all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> Easiest way to say it. Um, let's see. So. When I grew up, I belonged to a church in the Philippines. The biggest, probably biggest church. Iglesia Ni Cristo. Iglesia Ni Cristo. <laughs> Yeah. People say it's a church, but let me tell you right now, it's a cult. Oh. <laughs> it's a cult. It's one of the biggest cults Ram in the world. Ram told me
1: on the way here that you guys actually crucify people during oh, Easter. Oh, that's,
3: that's <laughs> a
2: Catholic thing, though. That's a cal. I don't think that's us. But oh. <laughs> no, 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 but we do have a private military in the Philippines. Wow. Yeah,
3: it's they do
2: we have a. I bri- i didn't know that uh we have so much money coming into this cult that a lot of the members deep in the like philippines have political sway because we can just bribe the government apparently that's I a mean, big thing anyone
0: can bribe anyone in the philippines yeah <laughs> like But
2: yeah a lot of the church members have a lot of control in the philippines because of how much money we get Mm-hmm. but uh that's one thing they do carry out like all the deeply devoted members in the philippines mm-hmm. they'd carry out like killings for people wow. who disrespect the church it's i remember crazy. like
0: i think my grandma or grandpa was part of it i don't
2: remember
3: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah but i do i'm familiar with that name i just don't know much about it
2: it's mm-hmm. a cult <laughs> um but yeah one you're like growing up you're like super indoctrinated you're taught to believe these things like oh if you don't worship god a lot you're gonna go to like a fire and burn hell for all eternity yep. and you're like what like five or six yeah mm-hmm. you're like, eating this up you're like i don't want to go to hell yeah mm-hmm. so it's just like you're very indoctrinated and then you're also not allowed to date outside the church you're not allowed to make friends
3: wow. oh wow that's yeah restrictive.
2: it's okay. really strict and one of the biggest things i saw before it happened to me um if you try to leave the church, you either lose everyone in your family and everyone in the church and you're on your own or your entire family has to support you and they all have to leave with you. Wow. Like, Yeah, it's wow. It's all or nothing essentially. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's really messed up. Uh, It was a big scandal for me in leaving the church. Really big scandal, especially in like our San Jose district because my uncle was a minister. Wow. So a lot of it was like tried to – Hush, hush, like no one can know that I was like going through mental health stuff. Yeah, because they don't believe in that. Yeah, essentially. So when I was like 12 or 13, that's when I stopped like really following the beliefs of our church. And I realized Mm -hmm. because I grew up here, I'm a first generation Filipino. Mm -hmm. My parents immigrated here to provide a better life for me. But church was the thing that kept us together for some reason. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, just growing up here, I realized, like, this is really different from American culture. And I wasn't trying to erase my Filipino identity. I was just trying to understand, like, yo, how am I supposed to make friends with all these rules and crazy beliefs?
3: Like, mm-hmm. it made me question
2: a lot. And for a 12-year-old, that's a lot to process. Yeah. Especially, like, with immigrant parents who tried to do their best but are also, like, abusive, you know, intergenerational yeah. trauma. So it's a yeah. lot of things weighing in on you when you're 12. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was like, I guess I started acting out and just doing dumb things, like things I didn't understand that I was doing because of like ADHD, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And essentially when I like told my parents, hey, like I'm feeling sad or like I need help with all this stuff, it was met with like a lot of resistance and a lot of invalidation that Mm -hmm. it wasn't real, that I should just get over it. Mm -hmm. And if you need help, pray to God because he'll help you out. (laughs)
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: no pray yeah. pray it away
2: pray it away yeah. pray it away and it will go away yeah so it was a lot of that and then i guess it all came to a head when i turned uh 15 or 16 when i was basically like yeah, i'm over the church mm-hmm. and i got arrested
1: you got arrested
2: i got <laughs> i was in middle school i got arrested for making a bomb it wasn't even a bomb but like it was a <laughs> felony for me because one fuck the cops you know they uh <laughs> thought it was a bomb because Of the chemical reaction of what we had created it was essentially just a chemical reaction of foil and bleach oh what the heck (laughs) yeah and the pressure of being inside a water bottle caused it to explode
0: oh i feel like people in middle school did that a
2: lot yeah so i I remember
0: that yeah i got arrested
2: for that and basically labeled and hit with a felony of Mm -hmm. terrorism and stuff like that had to go through like the whole juvenile court system and all that mm-hmm. it's all swept away but having to go through that especially being filipino was a lot of like keeping quiet and not letting people know about me anymore because mm-hmm. i was basically the shame upon the family because of that mm-hmm. so it was a lot of build-up to that and eventually my parents just gave up on me and um we went our separate ways aka i essentially got kicked out at 15.
1: You got
0: uh, Wow. how would you do then? like
2: huh um it was just like a lot of couch surfing um staying with like friends and my first girlfriend but that's a whole nother story but yeah it's just a lot of Mm -hmm. being on my own growing up and not having access to family or knowing what a family is anymore I have three siblings I don't even talk to anymore because of that which is really hard on my like mental health Mm -hmm. because I think one of the things I learned growing up the past few years is that all I want is to be in touch with my siblings and have that familial love which I can't have and that like Mm. Breaks me down so much sometimes, and it's one of the things that always comes up in therapy with my therapist. Mm. Yeah, familial love.
0: Yeah, for for me that also comes up too. Because like when I moved, well, I didn't move when I was. Well, I moved when I was like eight or seven,
3: Mm.
0: and like I have like a lot of family in the Philippines. Yeah, is that really the same? But like, it felt like I had no choice that I can't see them again. Like I have to like, you know, it takes like thousands of dollars to go back to the Philippines. So I'm it's like expensive. you're you're like cut off from like that familial familial love, even though I have my like parents, but like you know they were abusive beforehand. So yeah,
2: like
3: yeah.
0: I identified that like oh if I just went back to the Philippines, yeah
2: I would be good. You know? Parents don't really understand they're being abusive sometimes, and it's a lot of like tough love when it isn't, and you can't really tell them that because then you're met with more abuse. Yeah, yeah growing up
1: were your parents like abusive?
2: Or? So um growing up my. Dad was super abusive. Not, like, trying to kill me, but he was, like, verbally abusive. A lot of, like... Did you get hit with the belt? Oh, man, the citron. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, cintron. The citron. I am me- telling you,
1: Mexicans and, like, Filipino culture is so similar.
2: Choose your weapon.
0: It's just, like... Yeah. I, to-
2: I told I had, about... <laughs> my
1: mom had, like, wooden spoons. Oh, um, yeah.
0: I told this on another episode, but, like, my dad... My dad's... Well, my uncle. My uncle tagged my dad in this Facebook meme... And it was like greatest hits and it was like <laughs> queen the Beatles and then a picture of a belt <laughs> greatest hits you grew up with. And it's was like, Jesus, I mean, it is intergen- intergener- intergenerational trauma because like they grew up with that. So yeah. they didn't know how else to mm. raise a kid other than do the same thing.
2: Yeah. It's, it's crazy now too, because we're in a generation where we have access to technology and a lot of this unspoken intergenerational trauma is being processed at a faster rate and people are like voicing out like what happened to them so it's not just a thing that's i feel like we're the generation that will start the discussion and just have all of this get mm-hmm. unpacked yeah it'll be hard but it's necessary but yeah going back on your question uh my dad was really abusive he would hit me if i didn't do things right or he'd always like comment on things that i did wrong mm-hmm. and i i Think based on what my ter- therapist had said, he might have had narcissistic tendencies. Narcissistic yeah. parenting, you know, mm-hmm. is a huge thing. But yeah, he would. A few of the things I remember him doing growing up that I just put up with because I was a kid and I thought, you know, parents knew everything. Um, I had to get good grades, otherwise.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the common.
2: Good grades, yeah. or you're ashamed.
0: Yeah, that's like every, I feel like that's the most common thread every Asians. Asian person grew up with was just like, you have to get good grades or mm-hmm. you have to be a nurse. You have to be a nurse. You have to be this or, and I think about that all the time. And like, I, ha- I had good grades, but now I'm at this point in my life. and like, those grades didn't really do anything for me. <laughs> I'm like, well, th- it was all for nothing because I didn't become a nurse. So,
3: mm.
2: Yeah. No, a lot of it too was just my parents wanting me to be like in a healthcare position growing up. They're like, oh, you need to do this. You need to volunteer with your mom at the nursing home and learn mm. the ins and outs of nursing. And I was like, yeah. I'm like eight and I don't want to do this.
0: Yeah. That's so much pressure. on. An
2: yeah. But yeah, that was just the verbal abuse. The physical abuse. My dad would hit me with a belt. He'd mm. throw things at me. I remember one time I did not want to eat my food. He got a plate of spam and just chucked it at me, dude.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dude, my mom would do that too where she would get super pissed off and then she would just break a bunch of plates yeah like and then in my mind went out while that was happening I'm like yeah break all of them i mean like you're gonna have to buy more plates mm. i mean <laughs> it's not my fault
2: yeah i remember my dad getting so mad at me one time for not listening that he broke his own laptop in anger saying why are you doing this this is your fault i'm like
0: you're like you broke it you broke it yeah and i'm like you're doing this to me i'm like no i'm not or like well when you're at that point when you're a kid you're like yeah i caused this yeah yeah so you believe like you you believe them i'm like oh i did this i like this is like some deep shit that i recently uncovered in therapy or just like subconsciously like erupting was like i remember my mom would tell me that like oh, you're giving me high blood pressure and like, I'm going to die and it's going to be your fault. (laughs) Like I'm going to have like an aneurysm and it's going to be your. And I remember when I was a kid, I would imagine my mom dying and then I would be like, oh, it's because of me. I did that. I killed my mom because Mm. I wouldn't obey her orders. And I'm like, this is really manipulative and like abusive. Like, why would you tell that to a kid? Yeah. When you're a young kid, you're very impressionable.
2: And it took me a long time to realize this on my own, but it was a lot of conditional love where you would only be able to earn love from your parents if you did what they say. And mm-hmm. so you'd always be trying to seek their praise and all that. Yeah. And try to avoid like punishment and all of that. But so you'd never really learn how to talk to other people or just yeah, be a normal, well-developed young kid.
0: I, I think I mentioned it where it's like, I could, I could never, I couldn't even ask questions in school. Yeah, you're afraid because You're like, afraid. Like, did you ever have that where you're just yeah. like, I, I'm so scared to ask anything. Yeah, what of if anybody? I say the wrong thing? Would yeah. It, yeah. And then they would just lash out. And I'm like, I mean, more people other people won't lash out like your parents, but, yeah. like, but in your mind it's like, oh, if I say the wrong thing, if I do the wrong thing, mm-hmm. they're gonna fucking hate me immediately. And yeah, I'm your like, worldview
2: is your parents growing up. So essentially what your parents do to you, you uh, you believe that other people are gonna do to you because that's what you experience firsthand. So it's scary. Yeah. Do you
1: still, like, carry that with you? Or?
2: Nah, I uh, It was a lot of growing up at 15 and unlearning all that, but it was a lot to unpack. I think overall it took me about 10 or so years to unlearn a lot of behavior that my dad had done to me and my mom did by association because of my dad. Mm-hmm. I remember um, there was an opportunity for me to be able to reconnect with my siblings and my family. and Like, I thought, oh. If I can show them I've changed, then maybe they've changed too. And so there was like a year or there was three years. I think I was like 19 to 21. Uh, The first two years, I had slowly reconnected with my family and everything was good or whatever. And then uh, at the last year of that three-year gap where I was able to talk to them, my mom and I were like, oh would you be willing to move back in with us to help us out and things would be different? Mm-hmm. And you know, me being like really nice. I was like, yeah, I think in my head, I was like, I think things have changed. I think this would be good for everybody. It would help all of us out. Uh, I move in who everything went South really, really? fast. Oh wow! Uh, my dad went back to his old ways and my mom was just the same under my dad. Like everyone answered my dad and all that. Mm-hmm. And I think it was worse too. Cause I was older so my dad was able to say more like abusive things like, oh, you don't have a car yet. Mm. Oh, you're not even done in school and just stuff like that. And I'm just like, but inflation and this is a different generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always believed him at first. He's like, because I didn't know any better. He'd be saying like, oh, when I was 17, I had yeah. my first job. I paid for an apartment and I had a car. Yeah, you, that's, you're, that's you're, different. Yeah. So I was just like, oh man, I believe you. I'm I only...
0: I feel that pressure though. Like there's a uh, generational pressure. Cause like at my age, I'm like 24. My dad had me, he was a nurse. He was living in Saudi Arabia working. And I'm like, I mean, I, I, he doesn't pressure me now. Cause like my parents have chilled the fuck out. Like thankfully, like, but I still feel that where it's like, I have to like, they're not saying it anymore, but like I've internalized their voice. I'm like, you have to be, you have to do this. You have to do that. I'm like, they're not saying that to me anymore it's kind of just like remnants of that in my head Where it's like oh shit i don't yeah
2: do this growing up when so if i go back to your point um when my dad was 25 i was five years old yeah i was an accident i'm pretty sure i was an accident my
0: parents got married when they were 20 after they had me Mm. i think yeah i think same They, i think they got married because of me (laughs) yeah i'm like I was like, how many how many years have you guys been married? 24? Wait, how old am I? <laughs> Twenty-four. Huh. Yeah. Weird now that happens. Yeah, it's like
2: <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time, but the way they treated me, I felt like I was a trial run for my Are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. So oh, I felt shit. like their okay. next child, I was just a trial
0: run of what they could oh and, my couldn't God, do. No, I feel that so much. Was like, like the youngest per- like they, my youngest brother is like treated well off for it. Yeah, they don't even do anything to him. I'm like, he's the best one out of the three of Three of us.
2: I
1: didn't even know you had a younger brother.
0: Yeah, because he's chill. He's normal.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. I don't know. And also, I had a like really messed up worldview because not only was my dad abusive and like very manipulative, he also cheated on my mom multiple times. Oh, wow. I have a half brother that I don't even talk to. So, a lot of that behavior was normalized to me. So, I thought that was just like, oh, this is normal things to do. So, mm-hmm. that took a lot of separate unlearning on my end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, so I moved back in. This was, like, at the peak of, like, me realizing I probably have um, mental illness issues before. Mm -hmm. I I already had suspected, I think around the time I was 17 or 18, that I probably have bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. because I did a lot of stupid shit, you know? Reckless spending. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hypersexuality. All of that dumb, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I didn't realize it, though. But it was because of the way my dad acted and I had, like like oh what if my dad is bipolar and that's why i do these things because it's genetic bipolar disorder is genetic apparently oh really yeah you can be predisposed to it but you don't have to trigger this some there has to be an event that like triggers the onset of bipolar disorder i don't know what mine was but it was probably all the drug usage i had (laughs) younger i didn't have a good thing growing up yeah but yeah so uh it came to the point where i wanted to seek help so i tried opening up to my mom and it was just like hey mom uh can we talk one-on-one so it was was a really nice conversation it was just like hey like me and dad we're not getting along he's a dick you know he's a dick (laughs) and you could tell she was kind of getting mad that i was saying (laughs) and i was like yeah but i think i need help uh i'm really suicidal i would like want to kill myself and things like that like the usual like suicidal ideation Mm. Mm -hmm. my mom was like there's nothing wrong with you you have nothing to be sad about you have us again uh just pray to god and i'm like the i was honestly really pissed off when she said that i was like what yeah i was i yelled at her i was like why would i pray to god what's the point of the church if dad's cheated on you multiple times Mm -hmm. and she yelled at me she's like the church is what's kept this family together blah 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 and i'm just like but it's dysfunctional and all that and she Mm -hmm. yelled at me she told me to like get out so she left and I remember when this happened because it was a Halloween, uh, mm-hmm. I ended up going to a rave. I'm not a raver, but I went, I went <laughs> to a, went a to rave. I went to a rave to just get over it. And I remember getting really messed up and then going home the next day and I was just in my room decompressing from partying. Mm-hmm. And my dad was home and I remember my door was open like just super open. Everything was quiet. I was in my room just writing and my dad walks by super passive aggressive, walks by, pauses on my door and just goes, so useless. Like, you don't even a need fun. to, why would you say that? You don't need to say that. You're not talking to me, but he did that shit all the time. Like passive comments like that Mind you, I was already emotionally vulnerable. And I guess Mm -hmm. that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was just like, man, fuck this. I want to kill myself. Started writing out a suicide note and like basically wrote it out. And I planned to like do it the next day. But what stopped me was my little brother finding the note. And he was only 14 at the time, 14 or 15. I don't even remember his age anymore. That's how hard it's been. But he messages me on Facebook and he's like, hey kuya uh can we talk and i was like yeah what's up it's like i saw the note and just started raining down like the most crazy like knowledge and wisdom on me for a 14 year old just saying like i love you and i love dad and i look to both of you as like role models and i don't think it's worth doing this to like kill yourself just to get back at dad because then i wouldn't have you and just saying like all this crazy like knowledgeable mature things for a 14 year old it messed me up i started crying and i was like okay i'll get help and that's when i tried to talk to my mom again and i just remember going up to her i was at school and she texted me and she's like we're gonna get you help and because i was already like in a vulnerable place i was like what made you want to get help now or what made you want to help me get help Mm -hmm. she basically was like because i think you're a danger to my your your siblings and myself and i'm like it's what not reason. what I I'm not gonna do anything to you and she was like, yeah I think you're gonna try to murder all of us or whatever, <laughs> and I was like, but that's not what it, and she's just like it's either you get help now, and you pay for it and you um figure it out or you're you get out and I was like, okay, so we argued over it and then she eventually just was like, no I don't want to help you you're on your own and they kicked me out again, and I just remember like packing up all my stuff and leaving with my friend. And basically crying for a good like hour in the car, realizing I'm probably never going to see my siblings ever again. And that was the last time I talked to my siblings. Uh, Actually, no, I was like, I think a month after that is when I stopped talking to them. Because I would try to hang out with them. But my parents were slowly trying to turn my siblings against me, saying I was trying to use them for things or whatever. And I remember the last time I tried to hang out with my siblings, I waited outside the house for an hour and a half. And my mom just texted me, oh, we're not even home. Uh, You're not gonna hang out with them and my sister texts me mom doesn't want us to talk to you anymore because you're just using us i was oh, like i was gonna take how many up. siblings yeah have? i have three three inc- not including my half brother mm-hmm. oh, okay yeah so so they're all pretty young i think my second oldest brother just turned 18 he's a senior in high school now and that's all i know i don't even know the ages of my other two siblings that's yeah. how crazy it is
1: so after you left did you get help or
2: uh not for a long time it was just mainly me learning to cope with all of this on my own so it was a lot of self-help reading online and just figuring Mm. out techniques and methods i didn't start to get therapy till this year Mm. till or till last year like four months ago Mm. Uh, how is it it it's great apparently i struck gold with my therapist because it's really hard to find a therapist that's really good
0: oh yeah it is
2: especially being asian too and they wouldn't understand yeah my therapist is korean and oh nice i found her on psychology today yeah so i did like the whole database search and a lot of her bio spoke to me and i remember emailing her and i was like hey uh i think you're awesome and i want to talk to you about stuff Uh, please reach out to me and basically i waited for two months and i was just really i was really sad i was like damn i guess she wasn't a good psychologist and (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh i guess she sucked (laughs) yeah no but uh i'm the kind of so this is related but i'm the kind of person who doesn't answer his phone if he doesn't know the number oh same same. (laughs) when
1: i know i sometimes don't answer i'm like i'll leave it go to voicemail if you really want to
0: yeah they'll leave voicemail
2: so i don't even check my voicemails
0: (laughs) i probably check that
2: so i know so two two months later, I checked my voicemails. She had left me a voicemail a month after I had emailed her. And it was just her going, oh, I'm really sorry. I barely set up my account and I don't know how to access the emails and all that. I'm really sorry. But the whole time she was apologizing. She was like, I really hope you found help. I'm, uh, Thank you for calling out to me. And I hope you found the help you needed and whatever. So I was like, wow, she's really sick. And I actually gave up on trying to find help. And so I called her on the number that she gave me and she picked up and I just remember talking to her and she was just like, hey, thank you for getting back to me. Um, I'm sorry that I couldn't get in contact with you and I'm thankful that you reached out to me. Just, it was a lot of like apologizing and being very thankful mm-hmm. and it blew my mind. And I was like, yeah, let's have a meetup and see what we can do. So I remember my first session with her, it was a lot of just, I had to fill out the intake form and like mm-hmm. let her my let her know my family issue and all that. and. <laughs> In the first session, we unpacked a whole lot of like trauma that I was just holding in. And just she was really patient and said a lot of things that made sense. And she tried to understand what I was trying to say before she had her own comment, Mm -hmm. which was really cool. And she was really funny, which was, which helped a lot, I guess. And one of the things that blew my mind, and which is what made me. You're like yeah, you're my therapist now. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'll come to you every two weeks. Uh, I remember talking about how I went to Berkeley in that past week, and this was before I was diagnosed with anything. I was just like, yeah, I went to Berkeley with my best friend, and we were driving uh, on the Oakland side. And you know the part where there's a bridge going to Emeryville? Yeah. So there's like this bridge, and this was after the fires, so everything was like smoking. You couldn't see anything. This was after the fires the day was really nice. you could see the mountains and you can see like the ocean. I just remember in my head thinking, wow, this is beautiful. I love this. Wait, why am I enjoying this? We're going to die. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it went from like a very appreciative point of view of life to just like straight up nihilist. Like I hate life. Mm -hmm. There's no point. And I told her that. And then she was like, okay, so I understand that. Can you tell me about your, uh, your siblings or whatever? Give me an example of like how you, uh, feel whenever you see sibling stuff. Cause I had told her like anything relating to siblings makes me cry or just messes Mm -hmm. me up internally super hard. And I had told her I had just recently watched Haunting on Hill House. Mm -hmm. If you haven't watched that, it's a great show. I'm not going to say what I saw, but spoilers, there's something with siblings in it. And Mm -hmm. I remember watching and crying for a good 30 minutes because it hit that core of me wanting to see my siblings and not being able to see them. So she listened. And after I told her that story, she was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this, but I want to make sure we're on the same page. Uh, So she brings up the point about uh, thinking about death. She's like, it seems like you're grieving. And I was like, what do you mean? It seems like you're grieving life and you can experience grief in a myriad or different ways or whatever. Like it's simple or complex. What you're experiencing is complex grief. And I'm like, but what do I have to be sad about? She was <laughs> like, she was like, so you're experiencing a, a complex form of grief where because you're not able to see your siblings, you are grieving life. You're grieving being pulled from your siblings' lives. And Damn, she's good. What's yeah. her number? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she said all that and she was just like, yeah, so you, you can't appreciate life because you're afraid that it'll be taken away from you because of how your siblings were taken away from oh, you. Oh, shit. And when she said that in my head, I was just like...
1: You're right. You're right. And I'm like trying not to
2: cry. I'm just like in the seat trying not to cry. And she was like, does this sound accurate? And I'm like, yeah.
1: Who are you? (laughs) You just like said everything. Wow. You know what? Like this past two years, I guess. now two years. I felt like I was going through grief. And it feels weird because nobody's died. Yeah. But like I dealt with sexual abuse at a very young age. So it was like I was grieving for that. Like I was grieving for that childhood. That was taken for me yeah. it's a really really weird feeling to just feel so much sorrow and like sadness yeah yeah it was
2: it was mind-blowing because i thought at that point i was just always i always saw grief as something you
0: only experience
2: when, when
1: someone,
0: dies. Dies. someone dies yeah, exactly
2: so her unraveling that for me blew
0: my mind like yeah because you're like you can grieve like friendships or just like connections to people yeah
1: yeah and it's like very deep like the feeling of grief is weird it's a very powerful because you got to feel it to to the core of you
0: yeah because if you don't let it if you don't feel it you're gonna you're gonna store it up inside of you but like once you feel it then and then then the actual passing of it could start like you know the actual process of
2: like you know leaving i'm not gonna lie yeah after she had told me that i felt I feel like I've been processing things better and
0: understanding my own like yeah, cause, emotional well being. Because you could mm-hmm. grieve for like, ten years probably. <laughs> yeah. So you could grieve like because you could finally allow yourself to grieve that like relationship. It's like, oh, well, I might not be able to see them ever again. So yeah, I have to be able to feel these emotions instead of exactly like, not feeling it. You know.
1: So what made you go to therapy? Because you said you hadn't gone until four months ago. Honestly, what was the dis- tipping point?
2: there was no tipping point it, it was just, just always like man it'd be cool if i could get therapy you know <laughs> everyone was talking about like oh i saw my therapist there and
1: dude everybody goes <laughs> to therapy now it's crazy right <laughs> yeah, no, dude. i could just talk about my therapist like on the daily like yeah i went to see my therapist yesterday and this is what she said yeah,
0: yeah. It's like, <laughs> i saw somebody on their instagram story they were like picking out their therapist it was jason actually oh shit. i saw in his like story i'm like oh yes finally more people getting therapy i'm like yeah. hell yeah yeah
2: no it's crazy um therapy is definitely really cool to have and i f- definitely urge people like hey if you get a chance you should definitely even if you're having a great life oh yeah therapy definitely. is good mm-hmm. like if
0: you think there's nothing wrong with you like it will make you a better person yeah to like understand your emotions of like why you do certain things because like i've learned so much about myself just about like oh just going to therapy and like what the heck although recently actually i'm gonna bring this up my next therapy session next week
1: you're breaking up with your therapist i'm
0: not breaking up with him i'm just like (laughs) i have to set a goal like i don't know like we have to it feels like what are we doing
1: (laughs) (laughs) where are we going where are we
0: going with this
1: where are we what are we yeah
0: (laughs) i was gonna be like define the relationship define the goal i'm like i want to have a conversation with my therapist because like so much has happened but like he's helped me a lot but like Where do we go from here? Like, what am I doing? You You need
1: someone else to break you.
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll, I'll talk to him about it. Cause like, I've, I mean, my therapist is also, it's an old white dude, Uh, but he, he's helped me a lot. Like, but I always think about like, what if he was Asian or what if if it was a woman? Exactly. Like I could, maybe I could use a different perspective because all up to this point, all of, all the therapists I've had are men. And I'm like, what if I have a woman's perspective? I need and they're a person of color. Yeah, person of color and woman. I need that, like,
3: because mm. I
0: had this weird thing with my therapist, where like he didn't understand, like, you know, the whole Asian masculinity thing, where it's like, you know, you know the usual, like, oh, like, you have a small dick, or just like, you're you're seen as emasculated. Yeah, like, where you have to um cater to the Western yeah idealization. Either of that, matters. or like you have to cater to like you have to be extra masculine, or just like just embrace it and be like hella like emasculated and i'm like i don't want to be either of those and he never understood that like i had to explain it to him like yeah that's a thing that i experience. like i guess of course i have to explain it. like he learned something and it's like oh okay i understand now but like it's hard to really open up about it because i'm like i don't know man i yeah. something about asian masculinity or male masculinity that like I, I could never, co. Uh, what's it called? I haven't reconciled it. I don't know. It's still an issue for me. I like, mm-hmm. I'm on the verge of like not being manly, or, or I'm not manly enough, or just whatever. I don't know. No, I feel it. I, that's a huge struggle
2: for a lot of like Asian males, especially because of mainly Western Asian males. I feel like yeah from that because of how
0: people treat us. <laughs> yeah Yeah, it's like i wear glasses and like people always thought i just they assumed that i was smart i mean i am but
3: (laughs) i am smart but
0: that doesn't but you're not six foot yeah i'm not smart because i'm asian i'm smart because i'm smart yeah so it's like any of our accomplishments get
2: um, attributed to because we're asian not because of our own like self ability of being smart it's like oh you're smart because you're asian
0: yeah i think i've kind of like the, the reason why I decided to even like go into like artsy, like be an art artsy person mm-hmm. and not do the traditional be a nurse, whatever. Like I could easily do that. But I kind of just wanted to like rebel with their expectations of everyone's expectations. I'm like, no, I'm gonna be opposite of whatever the fuck that is. Like mm-hmm. I don't wanna I don't wanna play into your stereotypes at all. Yeah, but no, I feel that
2: to like a hundred percent that's what i'm trying to accomplish with the facebook group and whatever else we're doing right now Mm -hmm. uh the facebook group has been really good you know Mm -hmm. i feel like we can accomplish a lot a lot of people don't know this but our admin team they're all asian uh diverse asians we Mm -hmm. have south asians Mm -hmm. all the asians Asians. yeah not just like east East asians Asians. Mm -hmm. and a lot of our admin team is also uh licensed practitioners
0: yeah that's that's uh, that's the one thing i wanted to say was like there was like licensed practitioners in there
2: it's not amazing
0: it's not a bunch of like (laughs) randos randos
2: this is
1: like like, real structure. you're like about to fuck shit up
2: yeah like so we have someone who is a marriage and family therapist in texas one in la and we have someone who's a counselor in like new york and Mm. we have one of our other admins he's in med school for um gut medicine i think something oh is that what (laughs) rohan does (laughs) rohan does uh he's trying to get into medicine but like how um our gut effects are oh dude
1: yeah Uh, i learned about that i was like i should eat healthy
2: but yeah no all of our admin team we're all like in this to like change like the stigma on mental health we're trying to um one of the plans is to possibly turn it into a nonprofit, an mm. international nonprofit. We're still exploring like the segue into getting into that and like the legal hoops we're gonna have to mm. jump through. But that's just like one aspect. The other aspect is to create a platform for all Asians, mm. and we want to cover not just mental health, but just representation, mm. uh, colorism, classism, all of that. Like we want to. This is why I keep telling them, and I made a twelve-page outline. <laughs> yeah. We want to be Neck Shark, Vox, Oxy, Anxie. and all that. Mm-hmm, and yeah. Anxie and all that, but not suck. Anxie's really good though. Anxie's really good. Anxie's right? really good. I'm just talking about how Neck Shark sucks and it's like <laughs> BuzzFeed. Buzz we don't really have like we don't have representation in like news or multimedia where mm-hmm. we cover hard hitting topics like that. It's a lot of just like, what pho are you? Or what sushi are you gonna eat this oh, that's like true. Like stupid, like BuzzFeed style clickbait yeah. articles.
1: I mean, for Mexican people, it's like Mex- trying Mexican candy.
2: Oh, which, yeah. Which
0: Mexican candy are you? Yeah. That, what, what was that channel? Me too? Me? The M-I-T-U? Me too. Me too. Yeah. The- <laughs>
1: Some of them are funny. I don't know. Some I don't Fusion. Know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about. So you were, you said you were diagnosed by, with bipolar. Bipolar just, one. Bipolar, bipolar one. So I'm bipolar
3: you two. bipolar two. We're bipolar so, yeah. buddies. So there's,
1: <laughs> I, I want to know like the difference between There's. Them.
3: There's
2: actually. Yeah, so one of my best friends, uh, they have uh, bipolar 2. Mm-hmm. So we would always, when we would, we just started hanging out more recently. They're, uh, yeah, they have bipolar 2 and I always thought I had bipolar 2. So I'd just be like, yo, dude, we, we get along pretty well because we're both bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I noticed that people with bipolar 2, their manic episodes are faster and last a shorter amount of time.
3: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: well because they okay the difference between well the clinical difference Mm -hmm. that my therapist explained or my psychiatrist explained to me like bipolar one is like they the incidents are like more they're longer they're longer and they're more different like more spread apart but like for people with bipolar two it's like more like we are in a hypomanic state where so it's kind of like longer but like you kind of go in and out faster Mm -hmm. i don't know but like it's basically you're in a hypomanic state i had the whole like paper thing where it's like (laughs) this is bipolar bipolar 2 has more highs like it's more frequent Mm -hmm. like you go in and out faster but like bipolar one is like like it juts up and then like and it juts up like the episodes are actually it's more intense the episodes for bipolar type one mm-hmm. before bipolar type two it's not it's never as intense but it's more it's constant yeah constant. it's more prolonged so so
2: for bipolar, what i noticed too bipolar two you're gonna be in a state of mania for a longer amount of time yeah but like you're gonna be in and out of it mm-hmm. yeah so for, you- yeah for me uh bipolar one which blew my mind too and from my last therapy session from when i got diagnosed i've just been uh taking a look back at like the past few years in my behavior i realized a lot of the stuff that i re- was doing or were into was because i was having a manic <laughs> episode i think i
0: said that to her too like i looking back at it i'm like oh now i know i understand why i did that yeah because <laughs> like why am i so hyper productive and then like after that i'm like oh, i don't want to do anything anymore oh, <clears throat> die. Yeah, it's-, it's just like uh i'm down i can't do anything and then i would just Once that manic episode hits, I'm like, yes. I'm like, but then you do it at a point where it's just like, you're just It's unhealthy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that has to, honestly, my theory and how I developed this is because of like school, basically. It's because I had to do, like, I had to get into a mode where I had to do a lot of work really fast and I had to be hella motivated. So like my brain broke. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where it's just like, yeah, we're just going to go into this mode randomly now. Yeah, your oh. brain just, like,
2: just deleted sh- system 32. Yeah, I yeah. just
0: deleted like a normal functioning mood where it's just like either you're hyper productive and you're like really motivated or you're mm-hmm. not. It's because like I used to have school for that or like now I don't. Now I have like, I don't know, college projects. But, you know, that's why I randomly start things. How do you, okay, I want to ask you this. How do you, <gasps> how do you determine that like, are you just, am i just really motivated or am i in a manic episode <laughs> okay i hate that no so uh
2: yeah so because my manic episodes last longer than a day i think the average estimate for me for my manic episodes i think they last about most likely from a month to like three months oh
1: shit yeah yeah it's a long time
2: so i don't know uh i do a lot of like do you ever just feel like you're superman or
0: just like oh yeah no uh, like what? you talk to your friends you're like yeah guys i'm hot shit <laughs> <laughs> you get asked, well then it's <laughs> like yeah i'm the best like i'm actually too talented yeah <laughs> no i i
1: there was like that one time when you were on Zol- zoloft that's oh yeah you're like i'm the best I'm gonna here, do here's
0: everything. how i got diagnosed with bipolar is because i took zoloft and there is because SS- i i thought i had depression and then SSRIs, if you take SSRIs, it could actually activate, if you're already predisposed to, like, bipolar, or, like, you have it, but, like, it could, like, enhance it. Like, so I was taking Zoloft, and I thought I was, like, oh, yeah, it cured my depression. Turns out I was just being manic, because, like, it curbed, like, the depression, so the, the, like, the mania would go higher. So, like, it really triggered it, where I was just, like, I'm the best, I could do whatever I want, and I really said some stupid shit to people. Yeah, that like sounds oh about, like Jesus. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kind of just say things with no regard. Yeah, it's like, well, you know what? Like I, no filter? No filter. No filter. I did like I didn't sleep for like three days. Like I
1: Is that like one of the symptoms? Cause sometimes I'm like, am I bipolar? But then I think one of the big ones is you don't sleep. You don't right? sleep,
0: you don't you're eat. Just you just kinda like work either you're either,
2: like, you're either you don't sleep for days at a time or you just need a less amount. Like a
0: less amount of sleep. Like I'm just like, um go. Yeah,
2: my, I'm like
1: my sleeping schedule is fine. Yeah, my
2: current manic episode that lasted through the creation of the group yeah that whole group was because of me having like a three week long bipolar manic episode but um i would only need like three or four hours of sleep for a week straight mm. and i oh, felt wow.
1: for a week straight a you week only straight- worked. Dri-
2: so <laughs> i would yeah <laughs> i would sleep for like three to five hours but i would wake up well-rested or I would just automatically wake up after a set amount of time and I couldn't go back to sleep. And mm-hmm. after
0: that I'd feel well rested and be like, all right, time to take on the day. And I just Yeah. Especially zoom. the race. Dude, the racing thoughts, that really, that's like the biggest thing. It's just like there's so many thoughts mm-hmm. that like and I, what I actually wrote down some stuff. You know when <laughs> here's one of my manic projects. <laughs> you know when I wanted to destroy the, the, the collision? collision? <laughs> okay, there, there was like my newspaper.
1: <laughs> he worked for a newspaper and he was like ch- getting no, dude, everybody I, I, on board to destroy i the went into picture. this like
0: rate or like i over researched like oh like journalism sucks there's so well, that's many, a symptom of mania dude like, there's so many things wrong with it and then i like wrote out this do- <laughs> this document yeah just like just and, like this is what's wrong this is what's wrong like here's what you need to fix and it, and i look back at the notes i'm like what the fuck does this say
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no you you get into like this like you get into this thinking pattern where you're just like i need to research this and you start researching this one thing until mm-hmm. you're good or amazing at this one thing yeah and then after you calm down from here, you're like why the fuck did i waste I 13 hours that. looking <laughs> like, at pictures of cats
0: yeah i was <laughs> like i don't want to do that anymore or just i told my therapist i was like yeah that whole like wanting to start my own journalism thing maybe i do still want to do that but i don't want to do it as much as i thought i did but mm. now i kind of want to do it but you know you get so much done yeah you do you get if you like just channel that energy it's a positive yeah it's just like ooh, it could really go somewhere i mean that's what this honestly i feel like that's what this podcast you know you know one of the symptoms like overspending i mean not that i overspent on the equipment i just kind of like you know what i don't care about money i'm just gonna buy this mixer i'm gonna buy this mic i'm gonna buy and i'm just like you know i'm just gonna buy things actually i went through i feel like all my savings was (laughs) ran Because of like so much spending during like that's another symptom in. of
2: uh, mania, overspending, overspending or just reckless spending. I remember uh when I was having a manic episode, I was looking at artsy stuff like James Jean, Lauren Sai, like just these really good artists, and mm-hmm. I was like, Man, they ain't shit. I could be better than them. I spent like five hundred dollars on art supplies. Wow. <laughs> and we, i still haven't touched those art supplies
0: oh my god i have like so many things that like i bought that i didn't use and i'm like maybe, maybe i just have bad spending habits where it's just like i bought like this thing for I, I told everybody that i was gonna write them letters remember like i i, I put it on my instagram like if you want a letter from me like send it i bought this like the wax thing where you like imprint <laughs> it. Yeah, no, that's- i bought one of those and i I used it once and I didn't even send a letter. <laughs> and I'm like, why did I buy this? And then why did I promise people that? I feel like there's a
2: huge difference though between spending recklessly and like impulsively and just being manic about how you spend. Because I feel like mm. when I'm manic and I buy shit I don't need, there's an accompanying thought of why I'm buying this. Yeah. It's just so like, like, oh, I'm going to like... I'm going to do this because, yeah. I had three cats at one point because of mania. I was like, one cat isn't
0: enough. I should have two more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just... It's tough man and it's kind of hard like how do you now that you know you're bipolar do you like are you more aware now of like sometimes yeah it's just like ooh yeah sometimes it's
2: like oh yeah i'm definitely being manic right now mm-hmm. and then sometimes it's like am i being manic or did i just have too much caffeine
0: yeah mm. also i heard That's that, a trigger that for i heard caffeine is bad but trigger. i'm like i don't want to quit caffeine though i need it
1: Yeah. but so when you said you were what was the longest manic episode you were in
2: uh i think the longest from history and thinking about it probably uh three months or so three months and it usually happens this is something i'm going to bring up with my therapist Mm -hmm. on tuesday um i think most of my mania occurs uh towards the end of summer and during winter seasonal affective disorder Mm -hmm. is a thing Mm -hmm. yeah so i want to talk about that if that's like one of the things that
0: i have mania for i think mine hits in spring that's mm-hmm. when i really bloom
1: <laughs> so what happened during that period that you were in those three months <laughs> like just like break down like this up like manic episode for people that like probably experiences but they don't see those connections
2: so well i wouldn't really be able to break it down but what i was able to break down mm-hmm. for my past like behavior not just just taking a look back at the past three or four years mm. i basically learned that a lot of the things i did were probably when i was manic and a good example of that would be like um getting a bunch of tattoos in like the span of two years from multiple like different time periods but a lot of that was like mania and it wasn't like oh man well I thought out it wasn't well thought out yeah Uh, another thing that I knew was because of mania. Uh, I was, I thought I was attracted to certain people and I wanted to be in a relationship with them. But then I realized like, it always occurred to me like after talking to them, there'd be a point in time in like the part where we're dating where I'm like, am I really attracted to this person? Do I have feelings for this person? And I just shut off. Mm -hmm. And then for the longest time, I thought it was just because like, um, I wasn't, or for a longest time i thought it just it was because it was just like the relationship blues or whatever like mm. i'd get over it but looking back i think i thought i was attracted to them because i was manic because mm-hmm. when you're manic mm. you want to like do things you want to like get with people and just stuff like that yeah and, just want to yeah and it's just just hyperactive dude. hyperactive mm-hmm. just like, like super emotional so i thought i was really like attracted to people and i thought uh my friends are like, oh, you're just infatuated. But no, I don't think it was infatuation. I think it was just literally just like- It was a mix of both. For
0: me anyways, it's just like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. and uh, It's going to go for it. It's like delusional. Yeah, like, it's know, like that's delusional. How, that's how you know. And it's like when it's really, really bad, like you need to get hospitalization with the delusions get so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you get so deluded into your own thoughts, I'm like, whoa. And then that's when it's dangerous. But, you know,
3: mm-hmm.
0: usually yeah,
2: it's just it's
0: back. scary. Like, I've never
2: had to be hospitalized because I'm always aware of it. But there's that thought in the back of my head. Like, when is it going to happen where I'm going to need to be hospitalized? Mm -hmm. Like, what will be the turning point? Mm -hmm. Because I haven't come close to that. Because I've always been aware that, oh, I'm going through mania right now. But it isn't to the point where it's like, oh, I can stop this right now. I just ride it. Mm -hmm. Like, you can just ride the mania. I don't think you can fully control it. Yeah.
1: How do you, like, cope or
2: meditating um a lot of like just letting my thoughts run but also being aware that i'm being manic and it's a lot of self-coping that i learned online like breathing techniques meditation Mm. writing journaling and all that and also having a really good support system of friends who understand that i'm fucking batshit crazy sometimes Mm -hmm. but are there for me because they understand that Sometimes that's not really me. Yeah. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I feel like if I didn't have this kind of support in my life or didn't learn these techniques, I'd probably be in a very, very different place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's probably just all that, which is why my therapist was so impressed that I went for so long without seeking therapy or taking medication Mm -hmm. because of how well I'm doing for someone with bipolar
0: disorder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man, bipolar. Polar is like, they don't, people don't talk about it. Maybe a lot more people are getting to know more. I feel like that's the next one. Bipolar. In my,
1: like, culture, like, when people say they're they're bipolar, they, like, my interpretation growing up was like, oh, you're angry and then you're not. That was it. That's how they view, like, bipolar ass. People that are very angry and then you, like, switch. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like a personality disorder is how they view it. And it's very misunderstood.
0: I mean, I didn't even understand it. It was kind of like, oh. Like, I didn't know that I was bipolar. I thought I was just depressed. And uh, I mean, it is that cycle of, like, depression and, like, Mm -hmm. mania. But it's, like, after I got that diagnosis, I was, like, oh, this makes sense. Like, did you have that feeling where it's just, like, oh, thank God. Like, it it makes sense now. Yeah. No, the last, uh, my last therapy
2: session was when I got diagnosed. It took the whole session. Mm -hmm. Because she was doing the DSM-5, asking me, like, all the questions. Like, oh, have you done this? Have you felt this? I remember Mm -hmm. at the end of it um i was on the elevator and i was just hella laughing i was like damn i knew it i i am bipolar i just remember walking back home hella like happy Mm yeah because i knew that there was something wrong with me and it felt like a huge weight was just released yeah
0: because like you have like a name for it now yeah oh okay it's like now i know what the symptoms are i know what i need to expect yeah and like so it's really good yeah it's like very validating i was like oh okay yeah that's what it felt I like, like it felt oh, very validated mm. like jesus like i thought i thought i was just fucking nuts <laughs> i thought i was just dumb or I was just like what i guess thank god that those are <laughs> so i was like okay that makes sense so like like even like yeah like we said before you kind of wrote, go back to your past and just like wait why did i do any of that shit you know mm. yeah you'd like
2: reflect and you realize like oh crap i did all this because of bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it's just a lot of like growing from that point mm-hmm. which is great
1: do you take medication or
2: uh i am on the boat where i don't want to take medication mm-hmm. until it's like the last resort and i'm just my next therapy session with my therapist is to learn what my triggers are and learn more ways to cope with uh, mania or depression, which is honestly, I feel like all I would need.
3: Mm-hmm. I already
2: figured out some of my triggers, which I can't wait to bring up. Cause then I'm gonna be like, yeah, doc, I think I get triggered because I used to do a lot of drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> and drink. So I try to avoid drinking and like smoking now mm-hmm. as I, I've told my friends, so I'm like, hey, uh, don't let me drink unless it's like special or like, don't let me smoke. Yeah and it's like yeah my friends have been very respectful of like my choices and like i'm not trying to have them be accountable for me mm-hmm. but it's nice that they're doing their best to keep me accountable for my own actions when it comes to like drinking because i used to love drinking
1: really
2: yeah i love drinking drinking did it, like, trigger
1: that or, like how did it trigger it
2: um it would put me in a state where i wouldn't give a fuck i don't know i just know it would probably create this uh it would create, like, this mood shift, especially when I'm not sober. When it came to, like, smoking or, like, doing acid or ecstasy mm-hmm. <laughs> or drinking, it I, it would obviously alter, like, my mind state, but I didn't know how long it would go for. Mm-hmm. But that's what I feel like is one of my triggers, and it's something I want to talk about. And I think one of my other triggers is going through a very intense, like, Emotional um, event mm-hmm. like breaking up with someone or getting broken mm-hmm. up with, or like just something super intensely emotional, like that
0: will trigger. I'm like thinking now, I'm like, what are my triggers? I swear to God, I think it has to be girls. It's something <laughs> that just like, if I really like a girl, I go fucking dumb, like just activates it. Like, mm-hmm. I go, yeah, no, that's that's I, think I hate it
2: whenever i'm attracted to someone i feel like
0: um like i can't keep it like you asked out yeah dude it's like like what if like i feel like i'm a different person i'm like i'm not in control anymore i'm just like i'm just watching my body now just yeah and it's
2: not it's not in the way where people are like are you sure you don't just have a crush no it's like more than that you like you start researching shit and you start like trying to like like say if you like this girl yeah, and she likes eating food. You're gonna be like, "Oh, I'm gonna be the next greatest chef."
0: Yeah, it's, it's dumb, stupid. It's thing. It's kind of like, and it's like it leads to very like manipulative and abusive like behaviors. And I'm like, and that's why I'm like, okay, now I know what this is, and I need to stop it because like there's other people involved. Like sometimes, like all of our actions, like there's some other people that are involved, and like I don't want them to suffer because I'm, I can't control my fucking my disorder because so I'm like, oh.
2: yeah, like <laughs> I like especially knowing that i've had bipolar even when i had self-diagnosed and was just suspecting i would always tell like the other person that i'm dating like hey i might have something wrong with me and hey i need to tell you that i've done this and this like Mm because i used to cheat because like how i told you like my dad had normalized that behavior Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: i thought cheating was normal so yeah it's something that always comes up when i date someone like hey uh, first things first i need you to know that I used to be a cheater and you deserve to know that and all that. Cause it's like, you're respecting another person and you're also like being accountable for yeah. your own
0: actions. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of hard for like people who, who suffer a mental illness, you know, like where's the line of like, this is my men, my illness or, and at the same time, like I'm just a p- piece <laughs> of just, shit. I'm just a piece of shit. I just, I just fucked up, you know? No, no, no. So you know, I, it's like, I recently had a conversation with some friends about that where I
2: think there's two kinds of people Um, when it comes to being a piece of shit yeah (laughs) no no no. so it's there's two ways you can go about someone being a piece of shit it's one they honestly don't know they're being a piece of shit because it's the environment that they grew up in and a good Mm -hmm. example of that would be me i honestly thought cheating was normal and that everyone did it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and two this is why i think it's only there's two kinds Two, they know they're a piece of shit and they don't care. They, they There's no middle ground. It's either you know or you don't know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know and someone tells you, you have to make them have the conscious choice. you yeah. have the choice to change and be a better person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or keep being a piece of shit.
3: Huh.
0: That's true. Cause yeah. like you just don't know it and then you just if somebody calls you out, I mean that's why you need to call out people. I'm like, hey, that's not. I personally think call out culture is really dumb. <laughs> well, okay, not not like in like a public setting, but like when you have friends, like because I had to do this where I was like, I was learning how to make have boundaries. Yeah, boundaries. I was is like, something. hey, this what you did was a boundary violation. You what you did just now was not good, and I'm just saying that now so you know in the future not to do it to anyone else or me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all about like
2: respecting another person, even if they're being a piece of shit, and like making them aware of like. Yeah, I, like the things... I want to
0: tell them that like, hey, I want you to be a better person. Yeah, that's why I'm telling you, what you did was wrong. Yeah, well, yeah. towards me, you know. Like, There's you're...
2: no point in basically canceling someone Cancel. because. Of... Oh yeah, I, I feel, hate. So. I feel you
1: on that.
2: Canceling culture like, is done. I fucking hate You do one
1: thing wrong, and then
2: you're canceled. You're canceled. You're hey, canceled. Dude, no, no, <laughs> no, like my stance on it is like. I think it's also, too, part of our upbringing. It's this bias that we all have, especially in America. I feel like this is true for us as Americans, not just Asians, Just but Americans. We're in this state where we cancel people because rehabilitation isn't something that's very big in the United States. Because yeah. mm-hmm. when someone does something bad, what do we You're immediately just do? They're done. We send them to prison. There's we no rehabilitation. Them, we send you
0: to cancel... Cancel, cancel Island. Cancel Island. <laughs> you're just canceled now. You're canceled you forever. forever. Forever.
2: We like, when we call people out, it's like, oh, yeah, they did all these bad things. Let's cancel them. But after you do all of that, <sighs> where does that person go? Yeah. We don't, do they learn anything? Do they learn anything? Do they like get to rehabilitate this behavior they were doing? No, it's like, oh. bye, you're canceling. We now. were
0: talking about that because, yeah, I, I don't know who I was talking about it, but it kind of reflects back on how you treat yourself like if you're like so easily like oh you're done with i'm done with you i'm never talking to you ever again like you're as if you're hard on other people you're hard on yourself too like you have to set yourself to that same standard yeah so if you've ever done anything wrong ever in your life then you have like you're super unforgiving to yourself you know like it reflects back on you like how you treat other people reflects back on how you treat yourself you know so i'm like i don't want to you know i don't want to give myself a pass but also like i want to be accountable for my actions you know
1: your cat is like distracting me this whole time (laughs) my cat is very loving
2: i have a cat i know yeah the cat i've just been petting is it a
1: him or her her name is miko i've been petting her this whole time she's very loving but yeah so um, so i was gonna ask with the group what is your guys's like what do you want for it yeah
2: so we're gonna make a money-making machine and take over the world. Now. Um, <laughs> the goal, honestly, at this point, because we're having multiple meetings on it, uh, we have two separate teams right now. So mm-hmm. we have the team, which is essentially the admin team for the Facebook group. We're trying to create the Facebook group and turn it into a self-sustaining thing where we don't have to like be as involved in it because people will understand the rules and follow the guidelines, and we just have to like moderate it from time to time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so with that Facebook group, what we're trying to do is bring awareness to mental health for Asians, and which is why a lot of our admin team, we go through a very heavy like interview process of whether they can join the admin team or not, Mm -hmm. because a lot of the admin team, they're industry professionals in Mm -hmm. psychology and therapy and all that are just like medicine. Mm -hmm. They're volunteering their own time and- it's like a liability for them to even be helping out because it might be going against their thing. So it's a lot of heavy like disclaimers that we're not a replacement for therapy, but we're yeah. gonna try to guide you in the right place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Facebook group is to help begin the discussion on having people find help for mental illness and just general destigmatizing
3: mm-hmm.
2: mental health isn't real in Asia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's for the Facebook group. Um we're working on a website which is run by another team and I'm one of the people running it and it's a bunch of uh, creatives from all around the world
3: mm-hmm. and
2: we're going to be creating the website and magazine
3: yeah. and
2: we're trying to create a platform for Asians to be represented in like multimedia and not just um we want to tackle the article. We essentially want to be like Vice where Vice does like those insane like coverages on like drugs in Brazil or like mm-hmm. watch this white guy go into <laughs> the Japanese <laughs> Japanese Yakuza for two that, years. Oh my god.
1: That one guy that just tries drugs.
2: Yeah. Oh. So we want to do that, but Asian centered and not suck. And ah, we wanna pretty. be we wanna be good at doing that. And I feel like we had the platform and means to uh tackle that. Because
0: our membership is growing, and yeah, by the, by the time that you hear this, probably over ten thousand now.
2: Yeah,
3: because
0: it's coming out February, so yeah, January. we'll probably be over ten thousand. Yeah, so
2: it's growing, and like, there's multiple groups that have similar numbers and all that, mm-hmm. and are trying to do these things, but it's a bunch of chickens running around with their heads cut off. No mm-hmm. one's really organizing, mm-hmm. and I feel like. What's setting us apart from everyone else is we're all very organized. Oh, yeah, it is very organized. There's we're like all working. Chats and everything. Yeah, we're all working towards this. Mm-hmm. And I'm honestly excited to see where it's going to be in like a year because I feel like with my leadership and Alex's leadership and just everyone on the team being such a very heavy, like, we're very dedicated to this cause and mm-hmm. we want to see it through. Mm -hmm. I feel like we can accomplish something. I'm not saying that we're going to be like the thing that completely changes the landscape on Asian mental health. But I feel like we'll be the catalyst in taking the steps towards change and advocacy for like culturally competent therapists. Like what you said, talking to a white guy about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they don't know. They don't understand.
2: Yeah. One of our uh, admins, he's licensed in... uh, California, mm. he showed us this training tools that they're currently going through for uh cultural competency. It, it felt like it was we. He showed us the slides and the choices. Felt like it was written by a white guy. It was mm. really bad. It was like you ever play one of those visual novels? <laughs> yeah, it's essentially like that. It was like you notice this Asian person eating an egg roll what? as you're talking to them. What do you say? Oh my god! Are you Chinese? B Be- Oh, what kind of Asian food is that? Like, that's.
0: Which one's the right answer? (laughs)
2: Yeah. And none
0: of those answers are even right. (laughs) Yeah. Which one is? They both seem kind of bad.
2: Yeah. So it's essentially, we want to push for stuff like that. We want to create resources um, for Asian mental health in like multiple languages. And one of the things I've been trying to get across and stuck in everyone's mind is I want to help create a resource for Asians where they can. It would essentially be like a how-to manual. Mm -hmm. It would have statistics of how often mental health occurs or like mental illness occurs in Asian communities Mm. and like how it's been like ignored and all that. And then after you have all of that as a guide and reference, there's going to be a little how-to that says how to talk to your parents about opening Mm. up and starting the conversation and methods to de-escalate their invalidation, stuff like that. And I feel like that's a necessary resource.
0: That'd be so helpful because I feel like that would be there's there's a lot of there's less trial and error, yeah. for them. You'd yeah. have like a little how to, like oh. just like oh, you know what to do now. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just don't do what I did, we would just break down in front of them. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> to, to do what I did. It's, it's not to so just cry and also break down in
2: front. Yeah, of them. yeah just just.
1: So knowing just what you way. know now, like, what would you tell your younger self?
2: Hey, yo, homie, invest in Bitcoin. No,
1: <laughs> no.
2: Um, I would probably tell my younger self like, your life's gonna be really hard. But I, I don't know what I would tell my younger self because I feel like my younger self would still be really stupid and, and not just, listen. To you. And not listen. It's like, yeah. fuck you, dude. I know everything.
1: <laughs> what did your younger? What did that person need to hear?
2: Oh, dude, there we go. That's a better phrase. Question. Uh, you're not alone. Like, you're not alone. Um, familial love doesn't need to just come from family. You can find it with your friends, and that's mm-hmm. something I feel like younger me should have known. Because, like, growing up too, one of the things that I would always try to do, especially after I'd cut ties with my family, mm-hmm. was I would always try to like seek approval from people way older than me, and I would like attach to like male father figure types and just be like damn i wish you were in dad and it would be really unhealthy so mm-hmm. i would just want to tell myself like you can find love with other people too and they don't have to be family and you don't have to like seek approval and that's something i wish i knew when i was younger like one thing that blew my mind this one time that i did acid <laughs> <laughs>
0: this one time this
2: one time <laughs> yeah no i just remember like i was peeking and like um I was coloring with my ex and we're just joking around. And then out of nowhere, she started teasing me and I started teasing her and she said something that didn't like trigger me in a bad way. But as soon as I said it, when it came out of my mouth, I started crying like a baby for like 20 minutes. But all I said was, all I want to do is be a little boy who wants to be loved. As soon as I said that, dude.
0: I mean, that's what I everybody
2: cried. wants. I like- fucking cried. Cause I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that's all I really wanted. It wasn't to like be accepted by my parents to like have a relationship with that i just wanted to feel loved and i didn't realize that at the time
0: so just hitting that and saying it out loud dude i cried i remember meditating i did this meditation exercise where it's like imagine your younger self or like your childhood self right in front of you and i did that immediately i just started crying i was like what the fuck <laughs> like, i didn't even say anything <laughs> the inner so. child. like yeah that you're in like imagine your inner child right in front of you and then i I did that and i started crying and i'm like i didn't even say anything to him yet <laughs> and i was just like uh, i don't know man i'm like i felt like i'm sorry like i'm sorry to him like i'm sorry i you turned into this mm. but i'm like you know what it's fine you know like, I, I like,
1: apologize to mine too. I was just I was like, like I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I was so mean to you for things that were out of your control. Yeah, it's like, you, and I blamed you. Yeah, it's like for you, so you were, much,
0: you were only
2: you were doing innocent.
0: the best you
2: could at the, at the point, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, I believe it. There's this one joke I uh, tell my friends all the time when we talk about being kids, and it's just like they always fall for it. But it's a joke that I saw online. It's like, yeah, I remember when I was four, I was standing by the couch and I thought to myself, I'm going to remember this. And that's what I'm doing right now. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> what <the fuck? laughs> What? Yeah, I was four standing next to the couch and I thought to myself, I'll remember this. And look, I'm remembering it now. And they'd just be like, can you repeat that? And it's just like, yeah. Then I mean, you we, just remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, But that's honestly how I feel. I wish, as a child, I wish we were kinder to ourselves. And Yeah. Because when you're a kid, you don't realize, like, this isn't what you're gonna be. And I just wish like you're still learning.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's really fucked that we, we're kinda like working on what our Childhood child traumas. self couldn't figure out. As, as a child. Know. We weren't able to process yeah. the things we can process now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like well, there's so much though.
1: It sucks because as you like feel safer within yourself, then like the good trauma comes out, you know, like the more yeah. powerful one is like, all right, I feel safe enough to express this. Yeah.
0: And that's why, like, I feel like if all, if everyone just kind of, like, examined their childhood, like, I think everyone would be a better person. Like, yeah, like everybody.
2: Mm -hmm. I think we're at the technological age where people avoid taking a reflection back into, like, their past because we're so absorbed with what's coming next that we don't take the time to just sit back and reflect no one really talks to anyone anymore too because of social media
0: mm, yeah well you know always a tool
1: now we just use a podcast now we just use other. a podcast to
0: talk you know like we have to come on want
1: to like talk about this in real life <laughs> we
0: gotta commodify but... our conversations we gotta <laughs> why talk it has to be content yeah. <laughs> talk.
2: you gotta create a reality tv show about it
0: oh
1: yeah about
3: our mental
0: health yeah. i have a vlog a
3: terrace a blo-
2: house opening mental health discussion
0: i'm gonna be i'm vlogging i'm vlogging my i'm vlogging in therapy what's up guys i'm in therapy right now but yeah um you're gonna have to have your uh, therapist sign a
2: media agreement for (laughs) me hey it's
0: it's uh it's up to me right uh it's my it's my job to (laughs) none of this is confidential i want it all (laughs) broadcast live from therapy Uh, but yeah uh, any last words because we're about about done.
2: Uh, Hey, everyone. Uh, Like, comment, and subscribe. um, (laughs) Please uh, check out our Facebook group. It's called Subtle Asian Mental Health Support. I'm really trying to distance away from that name, but it's probably going to be like that for another month or two. But check it out. We're working on a lot of stuff. I'll announce it here first. Uh, We're about to release a... An anonymous confession website made by one of our own UX designers. Oh, wow. They've been toiling away at it for like the past week. Yeah.
0: Give me that link so I could put it on the description. I will. will. Once it's active. Once it's
2: up. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Should be within the next week or two, but it's going to be an anonymous confessional uh, form you can fill out where Mm -hmm. we'll post it on the Facebook group for now and eventually our website. And it'll also be a way to anonymously ask for advice from our admin team who -hmm. can provide you with as much advice as they can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm that isn't medical advice or constitute at med- as medical advice and does not replace therapy yeah. or a mental health diagnosis you
1: yes. really research this C- you're, you're very organized
0: seek, seek a do not yeah that's that's not seek a professional if you need help just like seek your mental <laughs> health professional this is part jokingly but also part
2: seriously uh us having a one-on-one with you does not constitute a client therapist
0: relationship yeah exactly <laughs> no yeah we have to have a lot of legal disclaimers <laughs> mm-hmm. Neither is this podcast. that's why on podcast it says this is not a replacement to therapy don't use any of this as actual advice you know talk to your actual mental health professional for it but mm. uh, do you have an instagram do you want to plug your instagram Twitter? uh
2: <laughs> no my instagram is not active
0: oh okay I just want to plug plug. the website. Okay, cool. We'll link it in the description once this episode's up. But yeah, uh, thank you, Gar, for joining us. Thank you so much for opening up and coming on the podcast. Mm.
2: Shouts out to all my Asian brothers and sisters and non-binary folks. Mm -hmm. Everyone's accepted into this group. Hey.
0: Yeah. Do
1: you have any parting advice? Any parting words?
2: Uh, Let's see. Universal standard advice be kind to yourself and others but uh, take time to take a deep breath and just like relax sometimes because you never know if you're moving too fast or overworking yourself so yeah take a breather sometimes would be my last thing I'd say because right. I forget to do that sometimes too
0: Same. alright well you have anything else to say alright well this has been Boys to Cry Um, thank you all
3: right, see you later. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of Boys Do Cray.
0: If you would like to support us so we could pay our therapy copay, you can. You can go to on Anchor. You can follow this link: bit.ly/supporttheboys
1: for as little as 99 cents you can support the pod we appreciate you for taking the time to listen to us
0: you could also support the podcast by reviewing us on apple Podcasts. please rate us five star give us a review it really helps out the podcast
1: yeah and you can follow us on facebook our instagram and twitter is boys cry follow us so we can become influencers and get free stuff and we would like to
0: thank Food for that? Thought, aka Jalen, from the Music Collective's So Self Explanatory and Hopeless Hit Happy. Our theme song is called What's the, What's the Purpose?
1: And remember, Maya Angela is always right.